Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have to just give kudos and, and thanks to my sister, uh, Emmy over here. Amen. All of her prayers that were going on during this the singing, it was so glorious by everyone. Amen. But her prayers were, were touching on points that is going to be in tonight's message concerning his name is salvation. Ooh. Open our eyes that we can see, Lord, and the word, your word, Lord. We need to know your word, plant your word in us, expand your word in us, glorify yourself. She said all of those things and more, but I picked up on that, and it's just amazing. Tonight's message is called Created in Christ Jesus for Good Works. Amen. And tonight it's going to be a little different. I'm going to kind of do more of a teaching. But this is something that I want us to kind of uh, rest in because we're going to talk about chapter 9 of John where a man was born blind from birth. And we're going to tie it in to the Feast of Tabernacles. And the reason that we're going to do that is that, again, like what, what Sister Emmy had said when she said that your name is salvation, that we need to just implant ourselves in the Word of God. We know some of these stories, but sometimes we think we know it all and we don't. There's always so much more. The Word of God is always fresh and new, and He always has something for us Amen. to gain every time we open up His Word. Amen. So, as I said, we're going to be looking mostly at John chapter 9 and details in, of, of Jesus' encounter with this man who was born blind from birth. Like each of us, the blind man was created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we can learn from this event at just the right time. Following the Feast of Tabernacles, God had a miracle ready. God has a miracle ready for us Amen. at just the right time. He doesn't change. Some of the big lessons that we as people need to receive or reject are given in this message tonight and in this time that the Lord revealed to us with this blind man. And Jesus is going to use the festival to show who he is to all of those who would be attending that festival. And so let's, what I want to do is I want to set the stage, set the scene by looking at some of the backstory leading up to chapter 9 of John. Jesus had already become a concern for the religious leaders by this time in the storyline in John. Um, his word, his preaching, the miracles, the signs and wonders had spread already and word of him had spread people and leaders alike had heard of physical healings they had 
heard of the feeding of crowds of thousands, teachings that came with power and the casting out of demons. And some were already wondering if this Jesus, was he a prophet? Was he Elijah returned? Was he just a great, really great teacher? Or even Messiah, the Christ? But others were looking at him as a threat. Someone who was in their way, that was going to mess with their life, their customs, their long-held traditions. And they said, Jesus, this Jesus, he's deceiving the people. And they wanted him gone. Jesus had returned to Judea at this point. This is coming up on what we're going to be reading in a bit. And he'd returned to Judea for the seven-day Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called the Feast of Booths, and it's called Sukkot, which is still celebrated annually today. And it's the harvest celebration. It's a celebration of Thanksgiving, like when we do Thanksgiving, but it's for seven days. Thanksgiving, commemorating all that God has done, celebrating the, the harvest that's come in, but commemorating the constant care of God for his people as they had come out of Egypt and as they wandered in that desert for 40 years. And they lived in temporary shelters during that time, we know, as they moved from place to place. So this feast is something where the people not only are looking at that, but they're looking at their future hope. And they're told that one day, all nations, and this is from Zechariah chapter 14, 16, one day, as they celebrated this feast, they say, all nations are going to come. They're going to come to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and they're going to celebrate together this feast of booze. But during the seven-day feast, as you can see in this diagram, there were 75-foot-high candlesticks. Think about that. 75 feet high. They had to use ladders. You can see them in the background to get up there, to light them. There were, these candles were placed around what's called the court of the women. And they placed them in that area because during festivals like this, they would allow, that was a gathering place for all who were faithful believers. They would allow to come gathering in there, the men and anyone who would be coming into that court of the women to celebrate. So they erected these 75 foot high candles that would be lit for the entire seven days of this festival. And it would shine out once it was dark over all the areas surrounding the temple. They could see these lights from far off. And it was quite a spectacle. Once the lights were lit, as you can see here, they were lit to remind the people of how God was with them in the desert. A cloud by day and a fire in that cloud by night. He moved with them in the desert that entire 40 years and he was always present with them. And that was the purpose of shining this light Amen. for the seven days. The light of God Amen. with them. 
as they praised God for his constant care, they remembered that God had promised to send a light into a sin-darkened world. Messiah was to be that light. And he would come and he would release Israel from all bondage. He would be their king. They were so celebratory. And he would restore Israel to its glory. This is what this was about. So in this setting, in this very setting, Jesus had already been teaching in the temple courts. And he was creating quite a stir amongst the people. They were wondering if he could be the one. They're sharing stories back and forth of all that they had heard and what some had seen. There was an excitement in the air. Could that Jesus be the one? Could he be the one we've been waiting for? Don't think this went unnoticed by those who were the religious leaders of the day. And as they wondered, Jesus spoke of being sent to them to do the will of God, just like we're sent. And when we're sent, we're to do the will of God. He spoke of hearing from heaven, like we're to hear from heaven, and then only obeying what he heard, like we're to only obey the word of God. So picture Jesus present now at the close of the seventh day of this festival, this feast, which is called that seventh day Hashanah Rabbah. It means great salvation. So do you see what our Lord does? The seventh day means great salvation. The lights are now ready to be extinguished. And Jesus declares in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The eighth day comes, and on the eighth day, it's a very solemn day. The festival is ended, but they're still gathering in a solemn assembly. The candles are snuffed out. The priests now pour water on the altar from this nearby pool of Siloam as the people pray for salvation to come to them. Do you see this? Isaiah 12, 3 says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And this is a scripture in remembrance that they would be remembering as they did the ceremony of pouring the water on the altar, the water of salvation. On the eighth day, Jesus is speaking to some of the crowd and to some of the religious leaders. Yes, he tells them, you have been set free from slavery in Egypt, but now you need to be set free from slavery to sin. He spoke of water and receiving the Holy Spirit. There was just absolutely no denying as he was talking, no denying that he was speaking about himself. 
in connection with this great feast. John 7, 37 through 39, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So there was no denying that Jesus was making claims about being the one, the long-awaited Messiah. And this infuriated, infuriated the religious leaders. The more Jesus spoke, the more he taught, the more he interacted with the people, the more they despised him. They wanted rid of him. They wanted rid of Jesus. Today we have people who want rid of our Jesus as well. And they don't want us speaking of him either. It was shortly after the festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, with the, all of the light and then the water ceremonies, that Jesus and his disciples now encounter the man born blind of John 9. And that's what we're going to look at. As Jesus passed by, the scripture said, beginning in verse 1, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one will be able to work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus here repeated so that they could not mistake it, that he is the light of the world. He said, this man was not born blind because of sin. He was born blind to show the works of God that would be revealed in him. And this ties in to this festival that we just talked about. It's a miracle that is about to happen, a proof that claims Jesus, of the claims that Jesus had made during the festival. This man born blind would be a vessel through whom God would show the, his own works and he would be revealed. God will do the same in our lives. He's looking always to reveal himself to people, especially those who don't know him yet. Amen. Be ready. Be ready to see the signs and the things around you. Use them as the Holy Spirit leads you, as Jesus did. He's our example here. When he had said these things, he then spat on the ground, and he made clay with his saliva 
he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash, guess where? In the pool of Siloam. Siloam. Nothing our Lord ever does is in vain. Here we should take note that the water that the priests poured on the altar on the eighth day of the feast was taken from the pool of Siloam, which actually means sent. And Jesus sent him to the pool to wash the mud from his eyes. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the blind man obeyed. The blind man went and washed and came back seeing. Well, at this point, the man's life becomes a testimony. Is our life a testimony? This man's life becomes a testimony to his neighbors and to all the others who had seen him begging and to us as we read about him. This man's life became a testimony in scripture for us to learn from. They had seen him begging. They had seen that he was, had been blind all that time. And they questioned him. And after he told them to his knowledge what had happened, they brought him to the Pharisees. And in John 9, verse 14, this is what the scripture says. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he, Jesus, put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man, meaning Jesus, is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others questioned, though, and said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And so there was division amongst them. They said of the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? The Pharisees tried to solve the dilemma that they were finding themselves in. But the healed man answered them and said, he is a prophet. <laughs> well, you can only imagine. The Pharisees didn't like that at all, not at all. Because prophets, guess what? Were not always required to keep the Sabbath. Did you know that? They were not always required to keep the Sabbath. And they were determined that Jesus was not a prophet. They determined now to stop him. And some people thought that Jesus could be the Christ. And in verse 23, it says that the Jews, though, had already agreed that if anyone confessed that Jesus was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. They're trying to control the people, don't you think? They called in the healed man's parents now. And the parents confirmed that he was indeed the son, born blind, yet now seeing. But that was all that the parents were going to say. 
They weren't going to say anything more because they were deeply, deeply afraid of getting put out of the synagogue. But the healed man, he was not afraid. God was using the healed man now to testify. So let's listen to what this healed man said. Let's listen to the wisdom of God that was put into the healed man's mouth. Verse 24 says, so they called again the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that man Jesus is a sinner. He answered them and he said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, <laughs> though I was blind, now I then they said to him again what did he do to you how did he open your eyes he answered them I told you already but you did not listen why do you want to hear it again do you also want to be his disciples <laughs> then they reviled him and said you are his disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, hmm, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. Yet he opened my eyes. Amen. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God hears him. Amen. Since the world began, no one has seen the eyes of a man born blind opened. If this man Jesus was not from God, he could do nothing. That did it. Their pride rose up, as you can only imagine. How dare this once blind beggar, whatever happened to him, they still believed that deformities and blindness and crippling and deafness, all of it was due to sin. All of it due to sin, and they were not going to change their minds. They were not going to be taught by such a man as this. So in verse 34, they answered and they said to him, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. They cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And the man answered him and said, Well, who is he, Lord, that I'm, I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he whom you are talking to. Then the blind man, now restored to sight, said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
You see, some people refused to see. They just refused to see. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. This reminds you of people here today. They were afraid of losing their identity. Their whole lives revolved around being included in their community. The Pharisees, however, claimed to see. And their sin would remain on them because they claimed to see. How sorrowful is this if, uh, if, we're, if we really take a look at it? Because it's happening still today when anyone sees the truth yet refuses it. How sorrowful should we be for that? Or worse, when they see the truth and they call it a lie. Salvation, light, the promise of the Holy Spirit with living water had come. Amen. He had come. He was in their midst. He was teaching. Yes, Lord. And they rejected him. He was rejected. So these lessons, they're a witness. They're a witness to us as we enter each day. Let's enter each day with our eyes wide open, with our eyes wide open. Let's refuse, let's refuse to allow any kind of pride to come in. Let's refuse traditions and rituals and community, anything that the demons wanna whisper in our ears to keep us from the truth. Amen. We must reject our own ideas about God, but we, what we think we know, what, how we think we should act. And we need to pray to the Father of lights to teach us how to believe, how to believe the, the word of God. Amen. That's where the truth is. That's where the way, the truth, and the life comes to us. One assumption is that, that blessings are a marker of God's satisfaction with us. And yes, God does bless us. Yet this man who was born blind from birth, God had a purpose for. We have a purpose in God's plans too. And some of God's purposes, you know, when, when God gives us purposes, some of them are general. They're for all of us, for, for the entire congregation. But many of his purposes apply to each one of us individually and specifically, a special purpose he's placed out there for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good works for his church, and we are his church. We are his church collectively, and we are his church individually. And this plan that he has for us, specific works for us to do, works that were created for you to walk in, and for you to walk in, and for me to walk in, not just big things, not just big giant works that you're like oh but look at that do you think when this blind man was healed that people thought do you think when jesus was talking about the feast of tabernacles they thought something big and marvelous was going on yet it was 
You don't know sometimes how God is using you. Be obedient when he's speaking to your heart. Be obedient when he's calling you to speak to a person. Because you don't know. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. Jesus is the light of the world. And he did the works that the Father gave him to do. And he didn't go off to the left or to the right. He stayed the course doing the works that the Father had placed before him. And he is shining his light through you and you and you through believers. He's shining his light today. On, we can come in here and glory in it and we can go out into the world and we can shine his light wherever we go. That's what he's called us to do. He said, do not hide your light under a basket. Shine for Jesus. Shine. Refuse to be ashamed of our Lord. Never be ashamed of him. People out here are suffering. They're suffering. Seize every opportunity. We know the days are short. We know the days are short. It's, in, it's a check in our souls. It's a check in our spirits that if these days are going to have to be shortened and we need to be out there doing what the Lord tells us to do, calls us to do at every opportunity and let that living water of the Holy Spirit flow through you, flow from you onto others. Jesus was never concerned about what people thought of him. He wasn't. He was never concerned about what people thought of him. And if you think about some, a few things, Jesus said some pretty outrageous things, didn't he? He said many outrageous things. One of them he spoke of drinking his blood and eating his flesh. They didn't know what he was talking about. He was saying difficult things, but he was saying difficult things for a person, for purpose. Some of these people did reject him, right? They rejected him. It was too hard a saying. They couldn't take it. They didn't understand it. And they rejected him and they walked away. When we become radical for God, people are not always going to understand us either. And people will walk away. They'll walk out of your life. Be prepared. Be prepared for people to walk out of your life if you're really going to be obedient to what God is calling you to do. We need to be okay with it. We need to be okay with it. Amen. The love of God must come first for us. John chapter 9, uh, it's a perfect example of how the Lord custom fits his teachings and the signs to the individual circumstances at hand in order to accomplish his purpose. He does the same thing for us. To accomplish his purpose in us, he custom fits it to what's going on. He custom fits it to your life, to your way of speaking. We're all different. And he uses that. He uses that. He's the greatest teacher and he's teaching us how to be willing vessels. Vessels pouring out living waters everywhere we go. We've been given the Holy Spirit and I just want to say there's nothing more that we need we need the word. We need our time with him. We need our fellowship with him. The Holy Spirit of the living God operating in you will get the job done. And we must always remember that everything, all of the gifting, it is God doing the work. I can't heal anybody. I can't heal a person. But the Holy Spirit of the living God can use me as a vessel. And he can have me lay hands on somebody. And he 
will do the healing because he has told us he would. Because he's the gift giver. He's the light giver. He's the healer of our souls and of our bodies and of our minds. He has a purpose and he has a plan and we can walk in it. Praise God. Praise God. We know the truth now, Lord. We glorify you, God. And we discover more of you each and every day, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use us for your purposes. Help us to be willing vessels filled with your Holy Spirit, pouring out living waters on everyone, everywhere we go, everywhere we walk. Help our eyes to stay totally wide open. Take the blinders off, Lord. Let us see hurting people. Let us be willing to step out and do what you ask us to do as we go about our days, each and every day of the rest of our life. We come against Satan. We come against the father of lies. We come against the deceiver of the people. The one who would like to put all kinds of evil things on us. The one who would like to bring us down. Who wants to bring division and wants to bring strife. We come against him in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your authority. No. We say no. Satan, you have no part in this place, and you will not touch us. We praise you, Lord. You are our king, and we honor you, Lord. You reign, and we will serve you. We will serve you, our living God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Prayers, prayers, who needs prayers? Song, 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 song